0: Let's get ready to shift our shit with the SOS podcast featuring Megan Bartley and Rob Giltner.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of SOS. I'm Rob and as always, joined by Megan. Megan, what's the theme of today? What, 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 what's your kind of energy level like? What was your weekend?
0: Yeah. What, what did you just
1: notice about how you feel today?
0: You know, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, we're recording this over the JC, uh, JCPS fall break. So my kids have been out of school Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and today. But we went to Holiday World yesterday. So that was a fun little escape. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. Today is just going to be a restful day. And, you know, you and I talked about all sorts of things we could talk about today, but I'm excited about our topic, which is usually a topic that most people want to avoid at all costs, but none of us ever will be able to avoid this topic.
1: <laughs> and and what topic is that?
0: Well, we're going to be talking about death and dying and mm. grief and loss. You know, whether I, I would love for us even, you know, I know you and I are both have experienced this or are experiencing it personally with the loss of or the, you know, dying of a loved one. Um, but also, you know, how we might even formulate our own mortality or what we think about that. Cause you know, as we get older, we're, you know, going to be needing to think about what happens to us, you know, mm-hmm. when we die, you know, yeah. how we make sense of that. So.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah, it's a heavy subject and there's, you know, it could be spirituality components within it, there's and I, 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 if you don't mind, I like just talking to uh, or starting with something that we talk often about, and that's the relationship aspect. And so maybe our relationship with the subject matter of death, loss or grief, to give an example that in my wife's and I two separate families growing up and my wife's, you know, death was something that you don't touch or think about or talk about as maybe kind of taboo. And maybe within mine, it's, it was much more uh, incorporated into conversation and kind of teachings and education. And so, do you kind of recognize that or see that maybe within clients that there's, you know, sometimes within each family or of origin that there's different relationships with deaf?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I, this has been on my mind lately, because I have a client that I'm working with, uh, who just lost a pet of almost 20 years. And, you know, this client is just really, really broken up about this. And, you know, of course, you know, this was a companion for the client. And, um, you know, it's, it's been an interesting just to think about. And one thing we've talked about in our sessions is, uh, you know, what is the client's belief about? Where does the dog go uh, when Mm -hmm. it passes? And, you know, and so that's something that this client hadn't thought about a lot before. And, you know, I encouraged the client to think about, you know, well, what is your belief around that? And if Does that still work for you or do you want to, you know, expand the belief to incorporate some other things? Because if we believe that nothing happens when we die, that could be very bleak and, you know, scary of like, well, what's the point of all this living if nothing happens when we die? Or, you know, some people believe, you know, there's this beautiful, wonderful place. Some people call that heaven. Some people call that you know the other side or the beyond or whatever mm-hmm. um but uh you know i think it's i i find this topic incredibly fascinating i went on a deep dive right before i had kids um for like 2 years i read everything i could get my hands on about grief and death and dying and near death experiences and energy and you know all this different stuff and you know i feel like i came to a place that makes sense for me, but I think everybody has to kind of find their own, you know, belief around all of that.
1: Yeah, and I love our conversations on near-death experiences. I think there, it was, I think two, maybe during COVID, the pandemic, there was, I think a show we kind of both watched on Netflix and kind of really connected over near-death experiences and maybe mediums and um, yeah. a lot of interesting, um, components within that but i'm yes i'm really going to put you on the spot and this is kind of maybe an unfair question and so if we need to you know work as a team on it let's do that but (laughs) what what is death Mm. how would you how would you answer that
0: i mean it death seems to be like an ending but it Mm -hmm. maybe it's also a beginning you know, like mm-hmm. i i don't I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul, I think it was like a Pixar movie, oh, yeah it came out mm-hmm. you know pretty recently in the last couple of years. I think that is such a fascinating movie, especially for kids, but you know, I think all those Pixar movies are also geared to send a message to adults of this idea of like, like what happens before we're born and what kind of happens after we die, let's say, but um, I don't know. I, there's an interesting piece of this from a science perspective, you know because I really like science um, of this idea that energy is neither created nor destroyed. you know So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if if we are energy uh, and you know we had to come from something and we go to something, like does that energy not get created or destroyed? So it's hard for me to believe, that we just sort of like, you know, a snap of the finger, we die, and there's nothing left, you know, I, I I don't know, I just, I, that's hard for me to believe. And I think, you know, it's important for anybody, in anybody's belief system of, um, you know, I think faith, you know, there's a faith of like, well, this is my faith in science or humanity or whatever the thing is of, um, you know, what. What makes sense to me, and how how does that feel okay for me now, so that I can live life now and then be hopeful that maybe this is what happens when we die, but I really have no idea because maybe mm-hmm. none of us really have any idea um because you know unless you've died and come back to life, but you know honestly i my dad, who has passed, he had a heart attack um years before he actually passed away. And he said, you know, I didn't, I was gone, you know, like they had to revive me, but he was like, I don't remember any of it, you know? So maybe there is nothing there or if that's your belief system, there's nothing there. Maybe that's what happens. I don't know. It's very interesting. What about you? What what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to share a story, a short one, but I love the, or like how we're, they scheduled this out or organized it with death, loss and grief, because that's the order, you know, maybe that not all the time, but it tends to happen. There's death, which creates a loss. And then there here comes kind of grief. But it, thinking of the relationship with death, which I think a lot of us, I don't want to speak for everybody, maybe a lot of us are it's scary and we associate death to something very scary and 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 hard and which it is, It you know, it is. But there's this story that I, it's a book, but it's also, they do a recreation on, um, it might be YouTube or somewhere else, but it's called Death, Like Death, Duck, and the Tulip. And it's very fascinating. And there's many things you can take away. But one of my big takeaways, well, let me tell you the story first. So there's this duck that is just kind of living through his life. And all of a sudden that death shows up and death is this kind of skeleton looking um, creature. And here's this duck and they're traveling together. Duck is a little unsure of it, but he kind of invites death to live with him in a way of, hey, let's go to a stream. Let's go to you know the forest. Let's just kind of walk around and hang out. And there's times where death gets uncomfortable, where it gets chill in the air and it gets cold and the duck begins to take care of death. And this relationship really develops that's really close and it's a friendship. And, and death has almost this you know, insightful presence over the duck. The duck is asking death all these questions and it's really powerful. Well, then, as time goes on and the seasons change, the duck gets a little older, and the roles shift. Where death is now protecting and taking care of the duck, there's scenes where they're putting a coat or a blanket on the duck, and there's scenes of uh, you know, kind of letting the duck lean on it, and death is really being um, kind of an intimate and helpful person in the duck's life and then at the very end is there's this beautiful scene where the duck has passed and death is carrying the duck to this beautiful stream and he gently lays the duck down the stream places a tulip in its hand and gently lets the duck go and i i can't i'm forgetting what what death says but it's really uh important just the imagery of Gosh, how much maybe the, the duck was comforted having death there throughout this whole time and then especially being taken care of. And I, lo- I really, really love that because while it is scary, I don't see death as evil or awful. Now, it can come from maybe very unfortunate and dark ways, but I have this idea that death is with us all and we all have a relationship with it right now and it's part of our lives. And it's really role is maybe to help us uh, and take care of us through the death transition to whatever maybe happens next. And so we want to take care of death. And I think that's having the good relationship. And it's in turn, it's really trying to have, you know, help us and have a good relationship with us. And so maybe you want to embrace that. That's really how I wanted and kind of see death, I mean, but really wanted to maybe kind of bring that up. So I love that story and I think it's pretty powerful.
0: Very cool. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna go YouTube that after this. <laughs> go find it. Yeah,
1: and you should. You should. I may like send it to you. It's and the book is more in depth, but the yeah, I, I actually I'm a visual person. I love the video, so yeah. You know, everybody look, look it up. Death, duck, and the tulip. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um.
0: I bet. I bet though. You know, most people are afraid of death or avoid it because it's sort of this fear of the unknown. You know, which I think is an interesting mm-hmm. oh, topic. Yeah. You know, in a lot of regards. Uh, but fear of the unknown. Uh, and, you know, so if you, if the unknown becomes more known, if we do talk about death a little bit more, if we do, you know, open ourselves up to different ideas of this, of what could happen when we die, maybe it's not so scary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, You know, I I guess with me, I'm now real, I'm talking death within uh, maybe us individually with our own relationship with death, but it's hard and it takes a whole new meaning when death occurs with someone that we really care about. And then here comes like, here's the really big loss and kind of grief within that. I I don't think there's something that uh, happens kind of with everybody. Everybody, I think it affects them differently, but do you notice any common symptoms or experiences when you observe the death, which then leads into the loss?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, one, my first real big experience with death that was profoundly influential on me was when I was in college, I had a mentor. Um, I was interested in community health and uh, a gal that I worked with, she kind of took me under her wings. Her name was Barbara and she, at one point she said you know i have cancer and i thought you know hear me this naive 20 something year old i was like oh if anybody could be cancer it could be barbara because she was just this positive ball of light you know and i was just like you know oh no worries she, she'll be fine i was you know just kind of have that mentality and then at, at some point i got a call that it was like you know barbara's getting close to dying and i actually went I was so torn apart because it was just such this like shock of like, what, mm-hmm. you know, like Barbara couldn't beat this thing, you know, like if Barbara couldn't beat this, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, and I remember, you know, showing up at her hospital room and I think, you know, there was a bro- her brother, someone was there with her and I had written her a note, you know, because I didn't know how I was going to feel going in and. Was I going to be able to talk to her? Was she going to hear it? I don't know. So I wrote her a note, probably telling her, you know, how much, you know, she'd influenced me and, you know, how important she she was to me and how how sad I was um, for her. And um, I remember part of this, too, was she was just such a cool person. I said something in the note of, like, I'm going to carry on your this legacy of this positivity and this, you know you can do anything and all this stuff. And, you know, it turns out like within 24 hours of that visit, she passed away. And then when they were planning her memorial, somebody reached out to me to say, Hey, would you want to read that note at her memorial? And I was like, I'd never done anything like that before. And I just, I was like, well, okay, I I guess so. But I was, I didn't know, I was not going to be able to hold it together you know, Mm -hmm. at all. And so, you know there was a group of us who had worked with her and um she uh at, i started trying to read the note and of course just lost it like lost yeah. it in front of like hundreds of people and all this stuff which was fine that that was fine but my friend joe came up and read the note for me you know just as an honoring of her um so i think you know just that that shock of um you know surely this can't happen or it's not going to happen close enough to me which was interesting that like i've lost grandparents but it wasn't i don't know it was just not you know the same this was a different thing so mm-hmm. i'm sure i didn't answer the question that you just uh no you did the,
1: the, the shock the shock i think is really relatable and it makes me think of why the shock is and maybe for some we all you know, we have attachments to people, and I like to, again, visualize that the attachments are kind of like, a, um, you know, some kind of tube or something that connects us to, to it's some vessel that transports things to, to us, to other people, so we're kind of connected, maybe like a vein, that there's all these, you know, things inside, and, you know, the, the bigger, the Uh, tube, I guess, means the bigger the attachment. So people really care about and it gets smaller for people, you know, maybe what we have different relationships with. And when there's the death and then loss, that attachment or a lot of it is like kind of severed a little bit. And we stop getting maybe kind of what we were getting from that person and also giving. And so if it's a parent, you know, in some relationships, parents can provide like security and safety. If there's trauma, you know, then kind of it's going to maybe revitalizes and that kind of comes. But I'm just thinking then it's like, okay, if I'm getting nutrients from this positive, if it's a positive relationship, this positive attachment is giving me all these wonderful things. And then it's just stopped. That is something we really, really wouldn't notice. And it's just like the shock and this hurt and, there's this void, I think that comes within that. And, you know, there we're grieving, you know, so many will talk about that. And, but I just really think the, the repair and healing from having the severed attachment and not to say that we can never be connected with that person, because I think, I know I'm skipping ahead, but I think part of maybe after grief is setting up ways to find to still be connected. Uh, I've, I had a client once who was working with trauma and kind of grief around that. And she developed these like rituals of connection that she would have with someone she lost. And it would be to go to this tree that it was her mother, this tree that really reminded her of mother uh, of her mother. And she would spend time there almost every day. And it was this ritual. And again, that helped it and made her feel connected. And she almost felt her mother's energy there. And um, and that, you know, kind of helped her kind of feel yeah. better. Uh, but yeah, that that answer your question. I think that's the first thing that happens is just the shock because as much as we can prepare for it, I don't think it's uh, no one's ever right. accustomed or used to that shock.
0: Right, and and you know, I I think about um, you know the idea. I just got done reading a book, fiction. It was fiction, but it was it hit close to home of a uh, family who the the mother died. You know, husband, wife, and daughter and the they the daughter and the father were grieving the mom's death but the dad thought oh we won't talk about it at all you know like we'll just pretend you know like we just won't talk about the death because it'll be too much for my daughter who was five at the time that she the mom died and now she's like 10 and, you know, the daughter was displaying some symptoms, you know, of acting out and all this stuff. And, you know, I, of course, very uncomfortable reading this book where I was like, what? You know, like this poor girl, you know, like she's, there needs to be this honoring, I think, of the 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 per- person or pet or whoever has been lost. I mean, sometimes it's the loss of a relationship if you, you know, get divorced or, you know and the idea of complicated grief or like the layers of loss because let's say you you know you have you lose somebody early on you know not like at the end of their life or something and then you have you loss of the future with mm-hmm. that person you know of all the things that you had planned together or something and so you know this idea of complicated grief where it's just layer upon layer of things yeah. you loss but i think you know we do ourselves a disservice when we don't talk about it or we don't honor the loss or honor the person or you know like i my dad passed away um four years ago and it was you know he found out he had cancer in january and he passed away in may um and he thought you know he was going to be okay and everything but when i was like listening to the doctors and reading the doctor's reports I'm thinking oh shit like this is pretty serious you know but he was kind of in this mindset of like oh it'll be fine it'll be fine so you know the last time I saw him because he lived in San Diego I said I said I said my goodbyes to him because I was like oh shit you know like I don't think he's gonna make it we were supposed to see him at fourth of July and it was in May and and I was like I I I'm getting a sense that this might be my last time. And so I said my goodbyes and And my dad was like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're it feels like you're saying goodbye. And I was like, I ain't, I am dad. I, I feel like this is probably going to be the last time I see you. And, you know, I was trying my best, like not to just lose it. Cause that's right. wasn't the relationship my dad and I had. Um, And he, you know, I told him, I said, he'd been a great dad. And he said, you know, well, you've been a great daughter. And it was, you know, just. A few moments of just sort of honoring our relationship together and that was on a Saturday and he passed away the following Wednesday oh no he had a stroke on Wednesday and then passed away early Friday morning so it wasn't even a week and I, I wonder you know part of me <laughs> wonders like oh shit did I speed it up somehow like did I you know say I'm saying my goodbyes and so he gave up but, or is it like, was that permission for him to kind of let go or go, you know, and I had said early on to him, which, uh, you know, may or may not have been a suggestion of John Lentz, but um, I said, you know, I think, you know, your your mom kind of chose, it felt like she chose when she wanted to go, she'd been in, you know, not well for a very long time. And, um, you know, it felt like she was very she kind of, she had the thing that happened and then she passed away. And I said, you know, dad, I think you're going to know when it's time to just, it's time to like, you know, let go and go to the other side. So you fight this as long as you want, but, um, you know, when you're done, it's okay too, you know? And I feel like he kind of chose that. Mm-hmm. So,
1: And if if I'm having you interjecting my influence, I apologize. I would align with after having like honoring your all's relationship, which seems so powerful and so good of you to do that. Your father's death, its figure was like, gosh, well, what, what a great thing to happen so we can feel at peace and just kind of let me kind of then kind of carry you and guide you through through this, like in, in what ways maybe do you feel like you were really proud of yourself for how you were in that moment and kind of maybe created the space to honor each other's relationship?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was crazy uncomfortable because that is Mm -hmm. not the relationship my dad and I had. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, my, my dad was a great guy, but how I wouldn't say he was you know, emotionally available in the sense that we could talk about our feelings. Like, we did not talk about our feelings. He was good at being light and, you know, telling dad jokes and that kind of stuff, which was wonderful. Um, But, you know, the idea of talking about feelings to my dad, like, even now, sort of, like, creates a nod in my stomach of, like, that was not how it it, you know. So, but I felt like, and I remember how uncomfortable it was to have, say that to him because I didn't know how he was going to react. Cause you know, oh, 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 oh you know, mm-hmm. like dismiss it or something. Um, but I was like, and you know, my heart's racing and all this stuff. And um, you know, but I just did it. I just had to do it. I had something I had to say. And you know, what what's interesting is um, his mom, when I was in seminary, his mom, my grandmother was, Ill and probably not going to live much longer. And she lived in Nebraska. And I was interested in this idea of a celebration of life while the person was still living. So I got the whole family from all across the United States to come to Nebraska um, to do a celebration of life for my grandmother. And we had a party and, you know, we, we had her favorite, she loved peach ice tea snapples. And so we had peach ice tea snapple and like just little things that, and of course everyone was like, oh, Megan, this was such a great idea. This was, you know, so nice that we could celebrate her together while she was still alive. And so when my dad was sick, you know, I asked him, you know, do you want something like we did for your mom? And he goes, no, he said, I'd rather have, cel- you know, like people come and visit, you know, on their own, not like a big thing. So Mm -hmm. I want my time with you, you know, now, or time with my brother and, you know, different people at different times, because I think it was too much to do all of it at once. And he did not want a funeral. Like we didn't, you know, just a lot of interesting things of just didn't, wasn't a guy who wanted a lot of attention, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, anyway, so it, it was, it was interesting though. And the, the discomfort just remembering, you know, I was remembering sitting with him. He was watching TV. He was watching a football game or something. And I just, you know, said, you know, you've been a great dad and I'm really lucky to have had you for dad and whatever. And I mean, even I just was like holding back tears, you know, it was like, cause he didn't want to see me cry. That was not our relationship. And so it was very quick and it was very, you know, but it was it was done and it was said and I'm so glad I did it because you know I wouldn't have had the chance to do it again you know if if I didn't see him after that so it was it was good but I mean that's that's the thing is you know challenging yourself to go outside of your comfort zone especially with the death and dying stuff of you know being able to say what you need to say Mm -hmm. and even if I I think you know even if you don't have the chance to do it, I think you can still do it like you can still right. write a note and, you know, I don't know, put it in a, you know, burn it and let it like disintegrate or, you know, put it in a river or something and let it just float away or something. But I mm-hmm. don't think you have to do something like that. But for me, that was important.
1: Um, yeah. And whether you can kind of do it in that moment like you did with your father or do it in the letter in in a number of different ways gosh the power of getting outside your comfort zone to have that moment and whatever it looks like but then also the self-care piece of it as well how you're getting outside of of your moment because it is a form of self-care i would really imagine because if we don't do those things i would you know how might we feel and so you kind of yeah. took care of yourself to get you outside of the comfort zone and you know i know many can kind of relate to that as well you said right. something kind of earlier on too i thought was really powerful and great insight that maybe more you know, death is never easy the loss the grief is never easy but gosh it can be more challenging maybe you know maybe we're wondering it'd be more challenging if there's an idea left of, but I didn't get much time with this person. And so if that, uh, if our attachment history is strong, you know, maybe it's a little bit more or easier to kind of end that, you know, book sort of speak. But if it's, you know, God forbid something very traumatic, we lose a child where we only get a brief time with him, You know, that attachment wound can be very severe because the book, didn't get finished or it was condensed or shortened to maybe is a better way to put it. And we kind of wanted to add many chapters and we didn't get, you know, we weren't able to. And so that uh, kind of grief can just kind of be very, very tough. And so I kind of, um, I feel like you kind of hinted at that and I'm glad you did because that's very hard.
0: Absolutely. And I think like what you've talked about is this like connection you have with somebody of like the strength of it or the, you know, how, how wide it is. and you know the need or what it looks like when you do let go you know of the person afterwards and and you know part of that is how do you live life continue to live life and i remember the grief for me the first year you know because i've you know researched this and done a lot of like continuing education trainings on this and all the things of like there's no one way to grieve everybody grieves differently But there are some things that people kind of say, like the first year after the death of something or whether it's the death of a relationship, the death of a person, whatever it is, is the hardest because you're going through all the holidays, the birthdays, the special times of the year without that person or without that relationship. And I remember that being so vivid for me where I would just be in a mood where I was like, I don't want to be around it. I don't want to be around anybody who's having fun because I'm like, mm-hmm. don't you understand my dad just died? Like I am. And and that was hard for me. But I just honored this idea that they're where they're at. I'm where I'm at. I'm just going to take care of myself. Um, But it, there was something about that first year anniversary. Um, And my my dad had these pair of Birkenstocks that he wore for like. 30 or 40 years that he wore, we you know, grew up in Seattle and he wore these Birkenstocks with socks, which was, you know, oh God, no, nobody ever did that. But my dad did that. And, you know, he wore these Birkenstocks all the time. And I, the only thing I wanted out of all my dad's stuff was these Birkenstocks, which now sit in our house at the front door, because it, it's a reminder of me, of my dad. And so for the first anniversary death, um, my dad's death, my husband and I bought ourselves a pair of socks, you know, for ourselves, like as a reminder. And we, when we wear them, I think of my dad. Um, but it was just kind of a neat thing, you know, and then it felt like that second year felt a, lo- a little lighter, you know, like mm-hmm. got through that first year of all the things and started to notice, you know, because my parents were still married at the time. And so then watching my mom, you know, sort of grieve my dad's death and, you know, she, you know moved to a new city and you know did a whole bunch of stuff so it was interesting watching all that and then sort of seeing the relationship with my mom start start to change a little bit as well because now my dad wasn't in the picture just a lot of things changed too so Mm -hmm. it's it was interesting but so the few things of like you know I like to think about um, growth doesn't happen without discomfort So you know, I'm a person who I always want to challenge myself. I'm always want to grow. So I'm always like, if I'm uncomfortable with something, then this is my opportunity for growth, right? So it's always like, let's do it, you know. But the other place, the other thing that I came across probably about eight years ago was this idea that grief is just love with no place to go. Hmm. So let me say that again. Yeah. Grief, grief is just love with no no place to go. So, you know, if there's a way, not that we have to, you know, immediately move our attention somewhere else, but if we can channel the love that we felt for, you know, this person or the relationship or the animal or whatever the thing is, can we channel that somewhere, you know, positively so that we can, you know, take that love we felt for, you know, the person or dog or whatever that we lost and um, have a place to channel it, a place to go, you know, Mm -hmm. does that mean getting a new dog? Possibly. Does that mean starting a new hobby? Possibly. Does that mean, you know, just having, you know, like one thing I recommended with somebody who lost their dog was. know they they were like we put all the dog toys away we put all the dog beds away we put all the things away that reminded us of the dog and i said you know well how does that feel does that feel okay or does that you would you rather see the dog bed or have a dog toy that was you know the favorite dog toy or something that sort of allows you to keep it close to you you know for now and so the person kind of thought about it was like yeah, I think I would like to have something around that just reminded me of the dog. And I was like, go for it, you know, see what works, experiment, see what works, see what doesn't work. Um, You know, and there's no right or wrong way to do any of that.
1: Yeah. And I, all finding what kind of works works for you. And I love that saying, because it you know, and I need to workshop it maybe with grief because I I'll need to think more about it, but maybe with uh, something related to grief is sadness. And I often, you know, I don't know challenge the right word, but it's try to show that sadness is sad. But there's also some form of intimacy within sadness. Like sadness, I feel is an intimate emotion. And so if grief is, um, I don't want to butcher it, but uh, love with no place to go, that uh, there's still love within there. It's, it's trying to find somewhere to go. And so maybe that's why there could be intimacy. And I think of intimacy as in where, uh, how, how close we can be with ourselves in that moment or how close we are with uh, the person maybe that kind of we lost. And often I find myself, whether it's grief, sadness something similar then you look back on it at a time during that and you look back and you can kind of notice hints of intimate moments um that are really like ways that you just feel like you know gosh that was a really uh it was really maybe that really made me made me be close with myself back then or you know maybe that we don't see family that often and then kind of a death happens and gosh there's this intimate moment, and it got me really closer with the family member, a sibling. It's, so it's interesting to see that kind of the, how sometimes sadness can be intimate in like in kind of a warm way, even when it's painful and it hurts. Um, and it can make us angry, it can make us feel a number of, of different things. But I, yeah, that made me c- kind of think of it. And, and so then if we're moving to a place of, how do we help our grief? Uh, yeah, I maybe. Mean, how do we help it? What What yeah. would you say?
0: I mean, I I think just let it flow, right? Mm-hmm. Like emotions need to be in motion rather than being stuck or like stuffing them down or forcing yourself not to feel them. I think you know, and remembering how it was for me that first year after my dad's death. Was I'd be fine for days and then all of a sudden I'd just be struck with this like I'd just start crying or I just like had this heaviness, this, you know, sadness. And, you know, just allowing myself to cry through it or, you know, take a moment and just be by myself or you know if i needed to lay down or do whatever just just to be gentle with myself right mm-hmm. of letting it kind of move through me however it needed to instead of me like forcing myself to just keep going just keep going which i think is a way that we you know avoid feeling those Harder emotions, more uncomfortable emotions, rather than sitting in the discomfort, right? Because, mm-hmm. and not that we have to wallow in it by any means, you know. Because I think, you know, grief doesn't mean you're depressed. Grief just, you know, there's there's difference. I mean, I think the depression is when you really can't function. You know, you're you're losing sort of the day to day functioning. Um, you know, so. You know, allowing the grief to flow through you, how in whatever way that is. You know, my kids. It's interesting, because um, I'll 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 make comments now of like, oh, grandpa would have loved this or whatever. Just kind of keep his spirit alive. Let's say, and the kids will you know will kind of look at me and like, I'm mom, I'm so sorry your dad died. You know, they'll just immediately say it's okay. You know, like part of life and you know i talk about him because i i remember him and that's this is not me you know i don't even know if it's me missing him as much as it's just like me acknowledging like his presence still the memory of Mm -hmm. and you know things i learned from him you know there are moments you know that i'll be like oh you know i do really miss this about him or something but um you know, it's, it's, uh, just allowing it to flow, you know, and Mm -hmm. now it's been four, four years, four and a half years. And there's things I'll think about from time to time of like, what was going on in my life, you know, as he was passing, you know, and that it'll, it'll hit me in a moment of like, Oh shit. Like I was doing some really big things then, you know, and things that my dad and I had talked about and, you know, it was like, you know, that that was good it's 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 not as sad anymore i mean there is still that like you feel the the absence of you know but you know there's still sort of a just fond fondness you know of that but i think it's different for everybody and you know i think if you get stuck you know i know there's that idea people think like oh i have to hold on to this person for dear life you know, and, and it's like, how can it be a both and situation of like holding on to the memory, holding on to all the wonderful things about this person, and continuing to live your life, you know, and, you know, this was my dad. So I don't know what it would be like if it was, you know, your spouse, or if it was your child. I mean, I can, I can only imagine that there would be you know diff you know it'd be just different uh, depending on how close or how you know the the intimacy you had with somebody about um, you know that closeness um, and how how much that person got you or how much you know, you know all the things like that. I, um, but I just think there needs to be a balance between um, you know, memories of that person and the moving forward
1: yeah i i 110 agree and if i had to add i know self-care is such a buzzword um because it's an important word but gosh how because if we think of that attachment has been kind of severed it's you know it's not producing how it was then how do we repair that? And that that's, uh, again, what works for everyone. But maybe I'll just point out one little piece within that is that if we can really practice components that give us meaning, and so regardless of what someone's spirituality might be, spirituality can be great just from it gives an individual direction to practice something that gives us meaning. So if it's organized religion, if it's, music if it's nature something that gives you meaning that can make you feel connected to something larger that that's a big one you know some people you know i i i think everything in moderation right it, it, you know a lot of things in moderation are okay but some people say gosh well, they kind of shame themselves they say I, you know maybe i kind of buried myself too much into work or i put myself too much into a hobby and um, yeah, if we're avoiding, you know, maybe that's not so good, but I don't think that's as bad as a lot of people kind of shame themselves maybe for it, because you're following something that gives you meaning and purpose. If I feel like I'm a great painter, I, I might feel like, gosh, I just need to follow this gift or this natural thing, something that gives me purpose and meaning, because that's a way to repair. And so there's awesome ways to do self-care, but I, I just I maybe wanted to touch on the one piece of uh creating meaning for for yourself um or maybe you know, it's already there but maybe following it that uh, yeah. I, I need to formulate that thought better but
0: yeah well and you know the other thing there's a book i asked a colleague of mine you know when my dad passed away what would be a good book to explain sort of death and dying to kids and she recommended the book the invisible string which is a children's book, and it's it's this nice you know idea of like you know there's this invisible string that connects our hearts to our loved ones, whether they're passed away, whether it's you know people who are still here, um, and this idea that we always have this string of love, if you will, um, that connects us, you know, and it was a nice way to think about, you know, maintaining that idea of a connection because i think for some people there can be that fear of the loss of of connection of like oh the loss of this person in my life and how you know that could be really scary um and you know i for kids too of like how do we make sense of this how do we i remember this funniest story so you know i didn't know how to talk to kids about death and dying i was just like oh god what are we going to do? So the, the morning that we found out it was a Friday morning, um, that my dad had passed away. And so, you know, my husband and I were like, okay, we need to tell the kids, but do we tell them right before school? Like, how do we do this? I'm like, I think we just have to write, you know, rip the band-aid off and, you know, do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like the secret keeping stuff of like, I don't want to like, like keep a secret around this, but I guess I, I also think there's a timing piece but we just decided we were going to tell the kids and then we were going to take them out to breakfast to a place that grandpa liked to go here in louisville when he came to visit which was wild eggs and so we told the kids at home we sat them down on the couch and we said grandpa passed away and and i was crying you know saying that and my son teared up and my daughter you know who let's see she would have been five at the time she kind of looked around like what am i supposed to do am i supposed to cry am i supposed to like looking at the cues of everybody and so you know we had our moment and we said you know we're going to go out to breakfast to honor grandpa you know he liked to go to wild eggs let's go to wild eggs so we we're we're at breakfast we're sitting outside and and the the uh server comes up and she says hey good morning how's everybody doing this morning and my daughter who's five at the time this is totally her personality she goes well, we're all doing great, but mom's not great. Cause her dad just died. <laughs> and The server was just like, what do I do with this information? You know, like this was too much for, you know, nine o'clock on a Friday morning for the server at wild eggs. We laugh about that still today of like, just, you know, she just told it like it was. And so, um, you know, but I, I think that idea, too, of being honest with kids. and We've had hamsters who've passed away. We've had now a dog that has passed away a couple years ago. And so the kids have had, you know, the opportunity to experience some of that, you know, death and dying. And we've just said real clearly, like, I mean, this is part of life, you know, everything dies at some point and you know of course there's the moments where they're like we don't want you to die we don't want mom and dad to die we're like well well hopefully it'll be a while you know like hopefully that'll be you know quite a while but um you know um but it's an interesting it's an interesting topic and you know um yeah i mean living is death is a part of living and 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 one thing I in my research that I found was, you know, how Western societies deal with death and dying differently than Eastern um, cultures and how, you know, in Eastern cultures, it seems like death is sort of constant. It's like a constant and awareness in like everyday life and almost like an honoring, you know, like, and then paying attention to like seasons and the death of, you know, plants and the harvest and how things you know there's always a cycle to things and you know in eastern religions maybe there's more of a thought around reincarnation or the idea that you know there's there's a returning a rebirth if you will which i find very interesting honestly you know like that's a real interesting idea to me of you know this idea of energy isn't created or destroyed you know is there something to that
1: Um, Well, and I was just going to say that uh, I know we're running low on time, but that it's almost instinctual of this connection to after death. I was watching the show, and it's a I'm talking about how uh, ravens and crows, very smart birds, mourn death of you know a fellow bird, and then elephants even protect the they almost kind of bury their their dead in a way, and then protect it from predators and. Um, even though to clean the kind of corpse of you know what they kind of uh, I guess of elephant that has passed and um, and that's way of honoring it. It's so so powerful. I think we might need to do a whole episode on then uh, near death experiences and kind of after we, death. Yeah, but
0: yeah. You, you, I mean, we shared, can explore all that.
1: Yeah, you shared something with your daughter, and I'm going to be really vulnerable here. So you and everybody listening, yeah. I hope there's no judgments, but. There is, yes. so I think, your daughter was five years old when you know that that kind of had went to that breakfast, and that's around a time I think when kids begin to learn death and finality, and just are trying to cope with it in their own ways. And so, I'm gonna share a really embarrassing story before we close of myself, and I think I was in is either kindergarten or first grade, you know, very very young, and. Um, You know, my parents take me to school and I I, I said something to a teacher. And at the end of the day, my mom picks me up at school and we had a kind of babysitter nanny at the time. And um, my mom, the teacher goes up to my mom with me and says, gosh, I'm so sorry about your loss. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? Goes, well, Rob told me the bad news that your babysitter killed herself. And Oh I, my gosh! I, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. It's. I wasn't like. I don't hope a sadistic kid or anything. <laughs> um, but, but it's now that I'm hearing kind of stories because you know we have a baby and other. You know my mom's bringing yeah. stories like this. now like other people kind of have told me kind of funny things about that. I don't know what it's with kids, but hopefully no judgments there. That's maybe oh. that was made for me to. uh make meaning of death. And I don't know, but it's, uh, my mom probably thought I was nuts and the teacher probably hated me the rest of the school year.
0: Well, I think if anything, you know, one, kids have wonderfully wild imaginations and two kids can be, you know, influenced by things they're watching on TV or books that they're reading or whatever the thing might be. And so your brain might've just, you know, woven a story you know, maybe for entertainment, maybe for whatever you were doing at the time, it's hard to to know. But clearly, you know that that's not who you are as a person to be sadistic or whatever, you know. right? So, you know, who knows what you were thinking or doing or needing at the time? Maybe it wasn't really anything and there's no need to overthink it, you know, like clearly Mm -hmm. you've You've turned out okay, Rob. So we're not we're not too worried <laughs> <Yeah>. about you. <laughs> I
1: hope so. Yeah, not to make you know that suicide's not funny, and that that if that I'm sure that's happened before, and it's not. It just uh like, you know I don't know what happens, but I, I think it's then you know how we explain. It just made me think: how do we explain death to kids and the way to understand it's it's hard, uh, and maybe yeah. it's an ongoing process, but. Yeah. Well, this is. I think this is such an important subject because it yes. can be hard to talk about. It can be hard to even think. Um, it's easy to avoid, which uh, we understand why. Um, but Megan, anything else before? I let you go.
0: No. I mean, of course, there's lots of layers to this that I could keep going deeper and deeper. I'm kind of like balancing: should I say this or should I not say this? And then I'm shooting all over myself. And I think that I'm just thinking you know, I could, I could say this, or I could save some of it for another episode, which if people find this topic interesting, maybe they'll want to hear more about, we can talk more about that. And from the idea of the, you know, whether it's the reincarnation theme or the, uh, you know, the near-death experiences theme or all that stuff, you know, I think there's, there's more layers that we could always talk about. So yeah.
1: you know. And speaking of which, we have a new email address if you want to kind of say you yes! can get a hold of us.
0: Yes. Our our new email address is shifting our at gmail.com. So shifting our at gmail.com. Let us know if there's topics that we you want us to cover or let us know if you know you've like listening to this. We've gotten some really cool feedback. Um so we hope you're enjoying it
1: our podcast. Yeah, yeah, reach out and with questions or topics and, and we love to collaborate. So thank you Megan for your time and everyone listening and we'll see you again next week.
0: Have a great day.